Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Acts 20, find verse 17. From Miletus, he sent, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. This is Paul. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the very first day, this is verse 18, that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me. I want you to say that. But none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Father, tonight, I pray that you would give us living understanding. That you would speak to us, your people, the flock in your care. That through this word, and through these lips of clay, we would be awakened, we would be stirred, we would be activated to do what you've called us to do. And that we might be able to say at the end of our race, at the end of our time, that we are innocent of the blood of all men. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We do have notes for you. And uh, if those are around, we can pass those out now. Almost a little scary in here. God's presence. I've preached from this text before a number of years ago. And in praying and preparing, which a lot of pastors, they have different ways of doing that. I have a very unique way of praying and preparing that I'm learning to rely on and lean on more than any other method. What method is that? I take naps, and uh, while I'm napping, I have dreams. And when I have dreams, I preach what I dream. And God confirms things. And I, I like it. 
it's, I like it a lot. I mean, it's pretty great. It's pretty like effortless kind of, you know, I need to go and study it out and everything. And place of rest, labor to enter into is. Oh, Pastor Karen, you were preaching to me last night. I, I didn't remember that until right now. Oh yeah. You preach to me all the time, but at night you lay down some of the greatest sermons. Actually, I answered you because I was in a dream too. And you're like, Daniel, the Lord. I was like, what? And then I woke up. I'm like, oh, she's talking in her sleep again. <laughs> Tony, your, your grandma is close. And tell me what happened. You, you, uh, you were on the phone with her. Tell us what happened. Um, at, my parents flew down yesterday to go see um, their mom, which is like my grandma, the only grandma I've ever known. And uh, I got to pray for her. She couldn't speak, but I prayed for her at like 120. And uh, I just prayed for her, said the sinner's prayer. And they said the power of God hit that place. And she started crying. And she, she was trying to speak. And she couldn't speak, and she was, you know, she was moving around and stuff. And I believe she got saved. You know, I've, I don't know if you understand the importance of the hour that we live. I've lived long enough to know that, you know, tomorrow's not promised. If you have somebody to call to repent to, I would highly advise you do it right after service. Let me preach to you first. You don't want to have the church to get up and go get on their cell phones. It's hard enough to get people off of their phones Snapchatting and Instagramming and checking all their likers. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. Paul is on his first missionary journey. When he gets to Jerusalem, eventually, I mean, things are going to really shift for him. And he's here in a place called Miletus, I teach to you God's word tonight. And he's talking to the, this, this great group of leaders, and they are a great group of leaders. You say, how do you know that? These are the leaders of the, of the church in Ephesus. Now, Acts, Acts 19, you can go and look at Acts 19, and I'd encourage you to go look at it because Acts 19 is one of the greatest New Testament revivals there is, and I believe that we're in an Acts 19 moment right now. I believe that God is pouring out His Spirit in such an incredible way that the, the, the sound of that bone-to-bone, joint-to-joint, the rattling, the, the bones of Ezekiel's army are coming together. I believe the sound of... Miracles, signs, and wonders are not only being broadcasted over Spotify and YouTube and Facebook all over the world through our media, but through you. And that God is doing something. I'm telling you, if you know someone that's broken, hurting, someone that needs a miracle, invite them to church and, and, and lay hands on them too. Pray for them if they'll let you. He said, well, I'm too timid. Okay, just get them in here. We'll get them. Get them up in here. Get them in this presence of the Lord, and something will happen. Over and over and over, I hear this. When I walked into that building, something came on me. I don't know what that was. I've never experienced anything like that. My God, I was talking to uh, Sergeant Bobby Edwards, who's since retired from the military. It's targeting going into ministry. He's got a great vision and a dream to help vets. 
And I remember the first time he came in here, he came in and was so messed up. He was weeping and crying. And when I greeted him and he was leaving, I said, did you like the church? He said, no, I don't like it at all. (sighs) Being Being an army man, being infantry, you know, crying is not something that actually causes the enemies to run. And God touched him and healed him and, and God's raised him up to do amazing things. The power of God is being put on display here and in our life groups, in homes. In homes, amazing. The Seabrians, you have a wonderful life group and have had it for, oh, I don't know, a couple years at least. God pours out his spirit there, heals people. Miracles are taking place. We've got meeting house to house, home to home. That's what the apostle Paul did. So he's... He's in his place called Ephesus, and, and Ephesus was where the, the book of Revelation wrote to the seven churches of Asia, or Ephesus. That These are the churches that are around that area, birthed out of a move of God in Acts chapter 19. And so powerful was that church that it was changing the region. I'm telling you, God has placed us. I know there's a lot of great churches, and I thank God for it. God has placed us here to change this region. And I'm going to tell you that the, 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 the word of the Lord is running swiftly in all directions. No matter where I go, people hear about, oh, that church in Alaska. And I'm so glad they say it that way because it's not about me. It's about God. And God is raising up a company of believers. We're starting very soon a Spanish ministry for all Spanish speakers to go to. It's going to start on Easter Sunday at 2 o'clock. You'll see things coming out. So if you know, if you know Spanish speakers and they want to be in a Spanish service, Gloria a Dios. Mas fuego. That's about all the Spanish I know. Easter Sunday, dos o'clock. There you go. Why would we do that? Why would we have another service? Because Spanish speakers want to come together and hear. There's people that don't speak English. Why would we have a, an outpouring and a, and, and a Samoan work? Because God loves us Samoans. You, you know, there's something happening in, uh, in Anchorage with Tongans. And we're flying in our Tongan pastor. Yeah, he comes next weekend. And I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, I need it, just not yet. What's his name again? I'm drawing a blank. Yes, Joshua Fafita. He's coming. If you could put your phones on mute unless it's Jesus, and then I would like to talk to him, just hand it to me. Joshua Fafita, there's a Tongan work that is, it's a crazy connection. Uh, Prophet John Harkey's wife's brother, got touched by God, and they've started meeting. There's about 15 people. They might even be online. There been about 15 people are gathered. They're all Tongans. So he's coming to meet with them, tie them together. I'm telling you, the work in Anchorage is going to be birthed very quickly, and it's a multicultural work. We're looking for a building. Great things are happening. Why would you do that? Because God's looking for a church that would boldly declare the gospel, the full gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll notice, he says, you know, I, I, I didn't, Hesitate to proclaim the full gospel to you. If you've got to ask this question, if there's a full gospel, is there a half gospel? Well, not theologically there isn't. Signs, wonders, and miracles are all included in the gospel. So 
We look at this text. Paul's on his way back to Jerusalem, stomping in Miletus, meeting with the elders of the Ephesians church. He reminds them of of his work among them. Verse 22, would you all look at that with me? Verse 22. He reminds them saying, See now I go bound to Jerusalem in the spirit, not knowing what things... Is it verse 22? Maybe I got verse 22 wrong. Well, anyway, error in my notes that I was rifling together. Thank you so much. Verse 18. You know the first day that I came to Asia, what manner I always lived among you. So he's reminding them how he came. I love how he says, with all humility. Now, granted, this is written by Luke. Who's the most humble person here in the, in the room? Just raise your hand if you, yes, okay. <laughs> Actual fact, was that Joshua? Let me cast the devil out of you, Joshua. <laughs> I just like how it says, with all humility. I came and I preached with all humility. But, but, but Luke is writing it, okay? So, with all humility. Wow, brokenness. Talks about prison and hardships. He doesn't know what's going to face him in Jerusalem. You know, the most important thing in life is to be certain, and you get these from these verses, to be certain that you're following God's plan, that you're in the perfect will of God. The apostle Paul knew that. And you read this, it just, it's, it's soaked with confidence that he's fulfilling the plan of God. My wife and I, we were, we've been flying all over the place, been all over recently, and we were so grateful to know that we're in the perfect will of God. I know that I know that I know. I stand here tonight knowing deep down in my knower my spirit. I'm in the perfect will of God. Do you know that's the most important thing you can have in life? You, if you're not in the will of God, you ought to take your little feet and get right back to repent, get to where he told you to be, be in the perfect will of God, and living life in such a way where God is pleased, where God is pleased. It's really kind of amazing. He fully preached the word of God, both publicly and in a house to house. When's the last time, just it's rhetorical, meaning you don't have to yell out your answer or raise your hand. When's the last time you preached? Publicly. I have a pulpit set up at the Alaska Club in the sauna. I do a lot of witnessing there. I saw someone here today from the sauna. It's a great illustration. It's hot, kind of like hell a little bit. And then you can, you know, just pick your shot. He preached to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance, have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells them what the Holy Spirit revealed to them. What did the Holy Spirit reveal? Look at your your Bible, look at your notes. What did the Holy Spirit reveal? He's gonna croak. (laughs) He's gonna die. That's what the Holy, he said, yes, I know now, I'm never gonna see you again. You know, Dr. Morocco said uh, over these recent years, I've heard it, but he said he knows what time he's gonna die. And I said, Pastor, when is that? He says, never mind. If I'm right, we have a number of years left. I'm like, okay, good, praise God. That's quite a thing to know when you're gonna die. I remember hearing Jim LaFoon's son, who I'd love to have up here. He's a, he's a, a missionary to the Arab-speaking world. And he's been persecuted, and he's seen how he's going to die. He knows he's going to be martyred. He knows it. He's seen it. He knew from the time he was eight years old. He doesn't know when it is, but he knows that he knows the environment. He knows what's happening. He's seen it before. He saw it when he was eight. So a number of years ago, it's probably ten years ago now. He's in some city, and I, 
If I knew, I probably couldn't tell you anyway, but I don't know. I, I can't remember. He's in the city and he's surrounded by a bunch of angry, mili- you know, Muslim militant people who have surrounded the foreigner and they are absolutely haranguing and, and then surrounding him. It starts getting violent and there's a policeman there and it looks like he's going to get killed. And he realizes in that moment, <laughs> this isn't it. This is not the dream that I had when I was eight years old. And he starts laughing. And he laughs. And he laughs. And he laughs. Because, I mean, what are you going to do to me? This is not, I, the Lord, I know when I'm going to die. This ain't, ha, ah, ah. He gets the joy of the Lord and starts laughing. Everybody's like, what a loon. What a psychopath. And so the policeman says, why are you laughing? He says, oh, I know I'm going to die for Christ. I've seen it. This isn't it. And the, and the guy laughs and says, really? He says, yeah. He says, okay, let's go. Everybody get out of here. And they disperse the whole thing. And he, The apostle Paul has a revelation. He knows when he's going to die. And he informs him, that this is the last time that they will see him. And he declares in verse 26, and I want you to read this, and I've, I've, I've preached it to you before. It's a profound verse of Scripture. Verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. What on earth does that mean? What is it to be innocent of the blood of all men? What is he talking about? He's talking about the book of Ezekiel, and I'd like you to go there, please. Ezekiel chapter 33. What has to happen in our community is that we need to be so diligent house to house, publicly, in the sauna, out of the sauna, in the highways, in the byways, in the marketplace. We have to be diligent now so that when it's over, we would be innocent of the blood of all men. What does that mean? Ezekiel chapter 33. I'm just going to read verse 6. And it's important to read this and understand because it's, it's a part of Paul's theology. When you read things like this that tie into the, New, the Old Testament, you have to understand that Paul's saying something very profound, very deep to us. Ezekiel 33 and verse 6. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, the people and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes away person from among them. He's taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will be required at the watchman's hand. That is what the apostle Paul is referencing. Wow. He's saying, I am a watchman. He's saying, I am innocent because I've blown the trumpet. I've declared the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. I declared life, and I have declared death, and I've given you the opportunity to choose it, and it's no longer my responsibility. I have laid it bare. I have said it. I have declared it. I have lived it. I have preached it. I have prophesied that there is coming a judgment, the Apostle Paul says. And these kinds of things are not preached in churches. Why? I don't know. It's kind of intense. A watchman has a responsibility to warn people. Are you warning me right now? I'm beginning to. Yeah. A watchman. 
This verse of scripture so impacted me that a number of years ago, I was at, a, and I've told this story numerous times, I was at an airport, and at the airport, you know, it's before TSA and, you know, the falling of the towers and all of that. And there was a whole plane load of people waiting. A large airplane load of people. Now, I don't know how many, it was hundreds, okay? So they're waiting, the plane's delayed, and we were picking up the guest speaker. Me and a bunch of other crazy young adults. It's a long time ago. And as I'm looking, we're, we're sitting in a, in a separate sort of, a separate gate. So we're looking at the gate that's, and there's no seats that are empty. And there's certainly no social distancing. You know, we're looking. And I start seeing people and how hurting they are. I start seeing the, the young high school girl and her boyfriend that went on the vacation to Hawaii and they're sleeping together. I can see that. I can see people that are sexually confused. I can see the depressed. I see the broken. I see the hurting. And, and it's like, it's, I just start having an awareness of the pain that people are in. I see marriages, you know, that aren't looking so good and husbands that are looking at skirts walking by and on and on and on. And this is before phones had taken possession of people. And I thought, oh man, what a hurting group of people. And I hear this, if the watchman, in my spirit, the Lord says, if the watchman's on the wall and he doesn't declare that the sword is coming, then the blood will be on his head. And I'm thinking, what? No. Yes, help the watchman, Lord. That it doesn't go away. And then I realize it's not just some random thing. He's actually talking to me, saying, I'm showing you. And I start thinking, maybe that plane's going to crash. Oh, God. I pray, that, what if the plane crashes? How many people are saved? And I start looking, and I'm going to how many people are actually born again? Of these hundreds of people that are going to get on a jet, how many are actually walking rightly with God? And so you do the math, and you figure, okay, like generously 20%, but you know it isn't that. And I just don't have the courage. But this scripture keeps coming. The watchman's on the wall, doesn't blow the trumpet. The blood's on his hands. And I realize, okay, I'm like going to go to a special place in the outskirts of Sheol if I don't start witnessing or do something. So I, I told the people, the young adults that I was with, I said, man, here's what happened to me. I said, here's what's happening to me. They said, what? I said, oh, oh the people, these people, and the, and the blood's on their hands if we don't preach to them. And I feel like the Lord wants me to preach, but I, you know, I just, and one of the guys just gets up. Oh, that's God. And he just walks off praying in tongues. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. You know, who you hang out with makes a big difference. Who you hang out with makes a big difference. He was crazy. He was like, let's go. Yeah. I learned that from the NBA. <laughs> so people start praying in tongues. You were there, Pastor Karen. Hannah was a little baby. I thought, oh gosh, I got up, I walked off, and I'm, I'm praying. I'm like, God, help somebody, Lord, anoint somebody to preach. I, I want somebody to appear. That's not happening. And so I make up a plan. Because I, know, I don't know if the plane's going to crash. 
All I know is it's my responsibility to tell them about the love of God, and if I don't, then their blood's on my hands. And, I, and I, it was so real that there wasn't going to come another day for me. Does anybody understand? I couldn't shake it. I wanted to, because the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, make an idiot out of myself and be rejected by a bunch of people from the lower 48. I know now that only two or three people like me anyway, so it's irrelevant. That's a statistical fact. There's only two or three people that like you. All right, so I walked off, and some of you have heard this story. I, I looked at a, a payphone, and I thought, I'm going to stand right there. And then somebody goes and stands right next to the payphone. I've gone, oh, I can't stand there. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me? And the person's like, and they walk off. That was like my pulpit spot, a payphone. I know some of you don't know what that is. It's a phone that you stick coins in, and then it gives you a dial tone, and then you can, like, punch numbers. And it used to be 10 cents, then it went to, like, 15, 25 cents. And then, and then they had these phone cards, and it was all kinds of scams with phone cards and all kinds of stuff. And anyway, payphone. You now have cell phones. Payphones are practically extinct. Anyway, the long story short, I went there and told him a joke and just lifted my voice to the whole room and preached the gospel, told him about the love of Jesus, told him about God and how he wanted to save them. The funny thing is, is that in all public preaching, the same thing happens in church. You got people that don't look up and don't care, don't hear you. You got people that hear you and want to just get you to shut up right now. Who do you think you are? Shut up, you Christian, you. And then you have other people who are believers and they're like, oh my gosh, what guts, go for it, go, God, touch them. You know, people believing. And then you have other folks that are, they're just numb. It's the same thing in church, the same thing right now. Some of you are not hearing one thing I'm saying. I understand. That's why I lift my voice every so often, to make sure that you're paying attention. Sorry, I got touched by the Holy Ghost there for a second. A watchman has a responsibility to warn people. What are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I'm telling you, as a believer, you and I have the responsibility of sounding the trumpet. There is coming a day where every single person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. As a believer and as an unbeliever, nations will be before, before, will be before the great right throne of judgment. All of mankind is sinned. And it's seen by God basically as wicked. It's seen by God as messed up and dejected. We have been called by God to dissuade people, to move people out of their apathy and out of their sin, to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can't you just keep your beliefs to yourself? No, it's against my religion to do that. lest their blood be on their hands. Let me read this to you, 2 Peter 3, 2. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There is a perishing. There is a perishing. There is a place called hell. There's no second chance after death. Let me read these scriptures to you. I put them in your notes. Hebrews 2, 3. 
For if their words spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? Hebrews 9 and 27, it is appointed for men to die once, but after that, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. For he says, in an acceptable time, I've heard you. In the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Revelation chapter 20, turn there with me. We don't have children's church on Sunday night by design. Why not? Because kids need to hear the word of God and be in church with us together. Sunday nights have closed all across America, but I declare that there's going to be Sunday nights opening. Why? Because people are hungry. People are thirsty. Somebody said, well, you don't want to burn yourself out. You know what burns yourself out? Not doing what God called you to do. I could preach every night and be on fire and encouraged. Why? Because God called me to do it. That's what I'm designed to do. Put me in a counseling room, I'm going to burn out. Get me doing administration, burnout will take extreme, like a day, maybe a day, and we'd be entering into uh, burnout. <laughs> Worship, sing, preach, pray, prophesy every night, all day long. I'm designed to do it. What are you designed to do? Certainly you're designed and called as a Christian to be a watchman on the wall. Whether you're an administrator or a counselor, a doctor or a lawyer, whether you're a plumber or an electrician, no matter what you do, you are called to be a witness of the full gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ through your behavior, through your actions, through your words, through your deeds, the way that you tip, the way that you live. You should be a testimony of someone who's been redeemed, someone who's been washed, someone who's been cleansed, someone who's been redeemed. Is there, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Ah, all right. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 14. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The book of life is a theme found all the way in the beginning of the Bible, found all the way to the end. The book of life. There's a book in heaven that your name is written in when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't ever receive him, your name's not in the book. Your grandma's name's in the book. That's why she's weeping. I've had people that were in a coma. I'm gonna tell you, people in a coma, they say they can't hear. No, they can hear. If they're not dead, they're still there. How do you know they're dead? Because that's when they're dead. After that, it's over. There's no second chances. I remember a, a man, a, I believe he was a Samoan football player in Maui many years ago. They called the church. Can you send somebody? Can you send a pastor down to pray? So they sent me. I wasn't a pastor, but, but I went to do pastoral duties. And they sent me there, and I went in, and they said he's got a, he's got, you know, he broke his neck or something crazy. He's in a coma, a head, neck injury, and they don't think he's going to wake up. I know this is crazy, but... I went and got the most anointed music I could find. It was by Benny Hinn. I grabbed a, bo I grabbed a box. You know what that is? It's a large radio. 
used to be carried on the shoulders by all anointed people. Amen. I grabbed a box and I grabbed this tape and I queued it up to the anointed part for me. And I, I literally went into ICU, I plugged the thing in, I pressed play, and I said, we're all gonna worship, the whole family's there, we're all gonna worship, here's this guy, the whole family, oh, we're worshiping, we're worshiping, and it gets to that part. What part? You know, does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like the, oh, 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 it's the moment for me. You know, I've noticed something about anointing. If you get anointed, that's all that's necessary. It doesn't matter if somebody, if you're anointed to raise the dead, then you go ahead and raise the dead. If you're not anointed, well, then you're in trouble. And I felt the power, I knew the power of God was gonna come on me. It was weird. I've never seen a pastor guy come in with a box and plug it in and like close the curtains. And I told him, I may make a little noise, but it's gonna be okay. That's what I told them when I went in, the nurses. They said, oh, okay. I closed the sliding door, put on Benny Hinn. Oh, oh, the moment came. And I don't know, I've seen great miracles when I've gotten up on chairs and pieces of furniture. And so I don't know, I got up on something. I don't know what it was. So I stood up over this young Samoan football player that was in a coma and prophesied that he's gonna wake up and he's gonna fulfill the plan of God and he's gonna go into the ministry that everybody's weeping, crying, I'm weeping, crying. I'm like, rise in Jesus' name. Nothing. I said, rise in the name of Jesus, come out of the coma now. Nothing. I did it again and nothing happened. I thought, amen, praise God. And I, like a, like a dog with his tail between his legs, I said, God bless you all. And I took my box and I, I walked out and the nurse said, thanks. And I, I, I went back to my piece of trash car and I drove home and I'm like, Lord. Do you know what happened? Three days later, oh, I led him to Jesus, by the way. Tears were coming down his eyes. Three days later, he got up, remembered the whole sermon, and was called into the ministry and remembered the whole thing, and he remembered that crazy white guy with the Benny Hinn tape. I'm telling you, God can use you. God can use you. Don't you shrink back. You are the answer. You are the solution. God wants to anoint you, fill you full of fire so that you lay hands on the sick and see them recover so that you declare the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ fully. Why? So that people are born again. Why? Because there's a perishing. I charge you to take your place on the wall. More than intercession. More than just prayer. It's including prayer, but it's also being a witness. The Apostle Paul saw himself as innocent of the blood in four ways. Acts 20, 20. He didn't hesitate to preach anything that would be helpful publicly and from house to house. Acts 20, verse 21. He declared to the Jews and Greeks that they needed to repent and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, Acts 20 and verse 24, right out of our text. His aim in life is to fulfill the task the Lord Jesus had given him to the testifying of the good news of God's grace. Acts 20, verse 27, Paul did not hesitate to proclaim the whole will of God. God's speaking to us tonight. He really is. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. How seriously, pardon me, how serious are you about sharing your faith? I'm not feeling the love down the middle, so I'm going to go over here. 
How serious are you about sharing your faith? When is the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time? And I'm not trying to bring condemnation on you. I'm just telling you, every single person is called to be a watchman on the wall. And sometimes we just think, what well, the evangelist is going to do that, what well, the pastor is going to do that. No. No, it, the, the job of the fivefold, as I said this morning, is to equip you, to get you so full of fire, to get you burdened, to get you equipped, to get you trained, so that you go, you will meet people I will never meet. That's just truth. And you are the only Jesus some people will ever see. Will you be a watchman on the wall or will you let the blood be on your hands? I'm asking you that question. Will you let your neighbors go to hell or will you do something about it? You have to get so strong, Pat? Yeah! How come? Because when death is on the line, it's important. (laughs) When death is on the line. Princess Bride, 1980-something. Just go ahead, get it out, lift your hands and laugh. Ha ah. Marriage. Okay. As you wish. <laughs> okay. All right. It's it's good to just get a little a little joy in the midst of talking about hell and you having blood on your hands. Amen. Amen. Just have a just have a little praise break where you're feeling uncomfortable. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Got to know the gospel. Now, I've had them pre- print this up again. Do we have a, like a big old stack, Mr. Media people? Good. Take a big old stack and pass it out to the universe up in here. Ready? Ushers, on your marks. Get set. Go. All right. This is a gospel soul winning script. It's used all over. And it is a very simple way to lead somebody to Jesus. So this is one tool I'm going to put in your hand right now. And if you will just read this thing, you don't even have to memorize it. You can just read it. In fact, I think the power of this gospel soul winning script is that anybody can do it. Anybody. And there's something about it where it pauses and you you pray for them. And I I don't know why. It just works. So I'm, I'm challenging you to witness to people. You can call on the phone. You can, you can stand with somebody. And, what if they think they're weird? What if they go to hell? How about that? Let that override your feeling of rejection. Like I said, there's only two or three people that like you anyway. Might as well let it fly. Romans Road is another way. Know the gospel. It's the, it's the blank. Know the gospel. I, I, I don't know what to say. Go listen to, uh, listen, for all of you preachers and pastors and life group leaders, somebody, you want to learn how to do a strong altar call? Go listen to the strongest altar calls there are. I'm not saying I have the strongest one, but it, it's got anointing, power. I didn't learn that by myself. I've been trained. Go, go, li- go listen to Reinhardt Bunke's altar call. Want to hear an altar call? Go listen to that. Go listen to uh, uh, Michael French. Is a tremendous, Tiff Shuttlesworth, tremendous evangelistic anointing where he preaches, I just want to get saved again. When you're, in the, when you're in 
the company of evangelists and that evangelistic anointing and that, that, that call to give your life to Christ comes, listen to how they do that. Listen to the scriptures. Is it important enough to memorize the scripture? Man, I'm getting after it tonight. Well, yeah, it was important to Paul. He didn't want blood on their hands. I don't think any of us want blood on our hands, but we don't take the scripture seriously. If the apostle Paul understood that blood could be on his hands, to some degree, I would think clearly that we are responsible as well to pray, to witness. Just take massive stacks, not if they want one or not, just pass them down, everyone get it. If you don't want it, just leave it on the seat and uh, you'll stand before the Lord at the end in judgment. Amen. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm trying to encourage you and push you to the harvest. Why? Because we have a community where people are smoking meth right now. We have a community with an opioid epidemic. You talk to any of the hospital workers and you see how pregnant women come in and their babies are addicted. You, 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 it doesn't need to be that way. So how does it stop? By you and I getting unburdened for souls and pressing in, praying, yes, pray, be in morning prayer, yes, intercede, by all means. And then share your faith, know the gospel, engage with others, look at see, I'm almost done. Worship team. Engage with others. What do you mean? I mean, talk to them. Talk to them. When I'm with a group of people for any length, I love, I love going to parties. Invite us to your party. I'd love to come and just put us near the wicked sinner and just give me a couple minutes. Why? I can't help myself. I can't help myself. I just can't. I can't let somebody, I mean, broken, hurting people, look for an opportunity. You, you get in their boat like Jesus got in Peter's boat, and he, he identified with him. And he, and he said, cast your net, you know, over to the other side. He got in his boat, and he, he identified with him. Engage with others. Some of you don't want to engage with anybody. Some of you don't even talk to your spouse. You need to engage with your kids. You need to engage in your family. Get to know your neighbors. Almost all of our neighbors around us are saved. Almost. It started with Christmas cookies many years ago. No, really. It's a, it's a Trojan horse. Where's, where's sister Trojan horse? It was a great word. We bring the cookies, and it's just a way to get you to open your door to see my face so that eventually we can witness to him. Almost every one of our neighbors are saved. We've got a few more. And we really haven't been all that aggressive at it. Would you engage with people? Would you care for people? Would you? You know, just, just say hi. We have cards that are being made. Where is it? Can I see a media face? A face of a media person. Wave at me if you're breathing in the media booth. Where are you? Hi. We have cards. There's a media guy. We have cards that are printed, church cards. Are they here yet? They're at the Good, go get them too. I. You're getting them. Hurry up. Take your time. 
I'm already over by 11 minutes according to the clock that I don't pay much attention to. They're restarting the clock. Just add another hour to the clock. Amen. Now I'm landing the plane. Innocent of the blood of all men. Engage with people. Let me go to the last point where they're getting those cards. Share your testimony. Share your story. What has God done? Think about what he's done. are starting to come out. People just, I don't know where you got the lighter from, but he can set you free from that too. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Pass cards out to the whole universe. We have them? Great, where are they? Super. Oh, sweet. Look at this clean. Dude, anybody can go like this. Give me the back. 
anybody can flip a card. I used to witness in my piece of trash car all those years ago, and I'd pull up, the, this, I, I knew I had to start, but I was terrified. I, I, was, I was so reject, I had such a spirit of rejection. And I'd pull up, and I'd, I'd get the attention of the person next to me, like, hi, excuse me, excuse me, and I'd roll the window down, and I'd wait for the timing of the light, which I'm very good at, as my wife can attest to. I know when it's gonna go green. I just know, I know stuff like that. So I wait for it, it's about to go green. I say, excuse me, and they look, and they roll down their window, Jesus loves you! What? And I take off. That's how I first started witnessing. And man, why is that? Why is that guy saying? And they start. Listen, that that's better than nothing. Take these cards. Pass them out. It's got service times. It's got a QR something or other on the back, and you can scan that and get a menu of all the great things that are happening here, <laughs> or something. Amen. Would you invite somebody to church? I want to have an invitation culture here. Invite people. Bring them. Witness to them. But listen, some of you, it's just too much. And I understand that. So start with baby steps. You're like, I'm seriously going to read the script to my next door neighbor? We'll flip them a card then. Just don't put anything on the mailbox because that's a federal crime. Hey, bud. When death is on the, death is on the line. Did you get something tonight? Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.